You're listening to How to Win Friends and Save the Republic, a podcast from the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers. I'm your host, Andy Moore. My guests today are uh, Nathan Lockwood and Monica Burke from Rank the Vote US, uh, the national organization. Nathan is the executive director of Rank the Vote. He played a leading role in founding and growing the Voter Choice Massachusetts uh, organization and or the campaign effort, both as the regional lead for the central Massachusetts uh, and for uh, various kind of statewide roles in the organization. He also served on the board of directors of the Voter Choice Education Fund. Nathan was elected to the town of Lunenburg, Massachusetts planning board and served from 2009 to 2015. His career in the software industry spanned 25 years and included engineering design and management roles. He holds a BA in philosophy from Yale University. So any of our listeners who uh, wonder if their background or degree is approachable or, or appropriate for election reform, I can tell you he is not the first person we've had on the show whose, uh, whose education career was in a very different field. Welcome to the program, Nathan Lockwood. Great to be here, Andy. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Monica Burke is the national organizer with Rank the Vote and was a statewide organizer for Voter Choice Massachusetts, helping there to organize voter contact and volunteer activities across the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. She has served as a campaign manager and community organizer for candidates and various ballot initiatives, as well as a, a lead activist, uh, or excuse me, as leading activist groups, especially ones which educate for election reform. In her career, also in software, she worked in environmental healthcare, security, and mental health applications. She's been a lecturer in the math department at Northeastern University. She holds a BS in mathematics with a minor in physics from the Northeastern University and a master's in applied mathematics from the University of Virginia and is published in the Journal of Elasticity. Possibly second to Nathan, she is the person with the degree in history most different from a lot of our guests. Um, welcome to the program, Monica Burke. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad for you guys to be here. I feel like I have had more conversations this week related to ranked choice voting, and in particular, rank the vote as an organization or any of your, uh, you know, not not subsidiaries, but state level affiliates or other organizations that um, have had some uh, connection to you all. And so I'm really excited on a personal level to have you on the program today. Uh, Nathan, I'd like to start with you a little bit and and paint the picture for our listeners about how you moved from software design into election reform uh, and what that connection was like. And I'd like to go back maybe to the very beginning um, for you growing up in your house was uh, was politics a topic that was discussed in your home? Were your parents particularly politically engaged? Yeah, well, uh, Andy, uh, so growing up, you know, I grew up um, out, you know, during the 80s, you know, kind of like uh, during the Cold War. <laughs> uh, my grandparents, uh, my grandfathers were both World War II veterans. Uh, my parents were not particularly political. Uh, but during that era, you know, you know, uh, my parents were pretty, you know, 
religious, devout Catholics. So that was a big part of my life growing up as well. So kind of you got those, you know, the, the post-World War II era, and you know, fighting authoritarianism in World War II. And then you've got all the intense stuff going on in the Cold War and how important it is for democracy to prevail. And then, you know, all the, the religious stuff. So um, come, growing up in high school, I started to get involved in uh, human rights activism with Amnesty International. They had really plugged into the culture through, you know, music and whatnot. And so that was something I kept doing. Uh, I was a leader of the Amnesty International group in my college, and I stayed involved in human rights stuff when I got out of college pretty actively. Not so much elections at the time. Um, you know, I, I met my wife and we had our family. And uh, so working in the technology sector to kind of pay the bills and, you know, spend time with the family and raise, raising kids together, that was a big thing for many years. Um, and, you know, over those years, there was obviously a lot going on and I was thinking about it and watching it, but not doing much about it. And but I was thinking, wow, what could we do? So I got more interested in elections and whatnot. And when my kids finally went to college, um, you know, five years ago, uh, I was looking for ways to get involved in things. And uh, I got involved with a great organization, uh, Unite America, which at the time was called the Centrist Project. And uh, they were looking at running kind of uh, independent candidates who could help unite the country and, uh, you know, accomplish the goals that we all want to see, you know, most of us want to see accomplished, uh, you know, create a better world for ourselves and our children. Um, and as they were looking to run independent candidates, you know, it was becoming clear kind of what some of the obstacles might be there. And at the same time, Voter Choice Massachusetts was spinning up and I was starting to learn about what they were doing. And when I got exposed to ranked choice voting, what it is and how it allows us to get new voices in the political process and allows voters to uh, the freedom to, you know, vote for whoever they most want to ensure outcomes that reflect what most voters want. It just made complete sense to me. And so I kind of threw myself into that with, along with thousands of other folks in Massachusetts. And that's kind of, and then finally, when my kids graduated from college, I was able to, um, you know, kind of um, move from my 25 year technology career into, you know, kind of the area where my passion was and work with wonderful people like, like Monica and like you. And so I'm, I'm enjoying that transition now. You know, it's, it's funny how many people as, as, as we've been doing this podcast and um, as I meet people, you know, on an ongoing basis around the country working on election reform, uh, it's, I would, I would guess it's roughly 50, 50 on the number of folks who grew up with some connection to like activism just in the broad sense right whether it's amnesty international or someone's parent was on the city council or something some kind of advocacy orientation to that and then about half the folks had none of that nothing whatsoever they grew up and then as an adult um, started looking around being like holy smokes our system is really broken uh, and whether it's you know two years ago or five years ago or whatever at some point in the in the recent history, they decided they needed to get involved. Uh, and many of them jumped in with both feet, right? Like you said. And uh, so Monica, what about you? Did you, what about, what was your life growing up? Did you have an orientation towards politics uh, in your family? So not very much. I did grow up in a very religious household. 
and I had, so it's interesting, Nathan, that you brought that up. I had 13 years of Catholic school, and um, I think that formed a basic foundation for some of my values, my core values that I have, and in terms of lifting people up and seeing people that need help and how can we help them and sort of building that base foundation. But uh, other than listening to my dad and my uncles and different relatives talk about politics and, you know, we had some veterans in the family and such, really just, I found those conversations engaging. And, um, but other than that, no, I didn't grow up in a household with, you know, all these elected officials and, and whatnot. But um, as Nathan was saying, when his kids got older, my kids are not quite as old as his, but they are quite independent. And um, yeah, I, jumped in uh, with both feet about five years ago as well. So I feel very lucky that I'm able to do this work. That's really exciting. Do you, since you both worked in, in tech and software, do you think kind of your, not predisposition is maybe not the right word, but your, um, your thoughtfulness about how systems work uh, in, the, in the kind of technology field does that influence your work, working on the, the systems of how our elections work? So I was a math major, and I often say math majors are just problem solvers. And I have seen a lot of problems with the way that people vote, both from being a campaign manager running campaigns and just myself when I show up at the voting booth. Um, and so I really just wanted to dive in deep to this one particular issue to help address some of those uh, concerns that I, that I have experienced. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, for me, uh, to your point uh, as well about systems and whatnot, I definitely think we see that there is an affinity between systems thinkers and sometimes people in software and technology and rank and people who get really throw themselves into ranked choice voting because it's something that is going to fix something in a very uh, long-term way. It's not just a, a, you know, kind of a bandaid or whatnot. And I think, probably something about our training or the work we do, we're attracted to these, these, uh, these big fixes, I guess, that really make a big difference. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Voter Choice Massachusetts and how that got started. Uh, Nathan, the other day when you and I were chatting, uh, you, you said that the, the movement there, I guess, started four years ago, right? And you started with roughly 200 supporters uh, and you grew that to 7,000 volunteers and like 50,000 followers uh, in the process of that campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about how that got started? Um, and, uh, and, and then maybe just go ahead and tell us how it ended in case any of our listeners don't already know. Sure. Yeah. Well, just uh, full disclosure. So I was not at the absolute inception. I was one of the people who got pulled into it, which is part of the power of the whole thing. But yeah, I've talked to enough folks that were, uh, there was really a handful of folks in Massachusetts who were advocating for ranked choice voting in any kind of active way, like, you know, maybe about five, and they're 200 supporters. Uh, in the wake of the 2016 election, presidential election, and the primaries during there, there was a lot of just, you know, a lot of um, feelings in the country in all kinds of different directions about how that went. And uh, so a lot of energy, very fertile ground for people who wanted to make positive change. So they said, you know, let's have a, a meeting. To, Maine had just passed ranked choice voting, which was really the stimulus for this movement. They'd proven that you can win ranked choice voting for the most important elections in your state, state and federal elections. So they, these five folks launched uh, Voter Choice Massachusetts, 
had a meeting and then started employing organizing techniques to pull more people into the movement. So doing live outreach to voters with clipboards, giving them a quick elevator pitch about why ranked choice voting was so great for them, uh, signing them up on the sign-up sheets, and um, and then reaching out, inviting them to volunteer and growing the volunteer pool and just doing more and more things like that in, in other related activities, growing fundraising. And eventually, once they had more people seeking endorsements from um, you know, political and civic organizations and public figures. Uh, yeah. And so people like me got pulled into that and said, wow, this is pretty cool. Now that I know about ranked choice voting, I want to work on that too. And it just sort of grew and grew. And we launched the Yes on Two campaign. It's a really exciting story. Monica, hearing that Nathan came along, got, got swept up in the wave as it grew, where did you jump into the, the Massachusetts effort? Uh, so let's see. So I was in a <clears throat> campaign manager training and I met one of the key founders at that training in uh, very early 2017. So the movement was still really tiny then. And I had already known about ranked choice voting. I think I probably heard about it because it had passed in Maine in November 2016. I'm not actually sure when I first heard about it, but it just made perfect sense and I, I was all in. So at that training, I just said, hey, I have an activist group. Will you come out and talk to my activist group? And I believe, and the person said yes. And they were kind of like this. They were like, yes. And that's because that was the first talk they gave to an activist. And they started this whole thing where they had a speakers bureau where they had like 40 speakers that would go around the state then and like do that and talk to different like Republican town committees and Democratic town committees and all legal women voters chapters and all these things. Right. So apparently I was a, my group was the first one. And so the person came out, gave an amazing uh, presentation and at that meeting started up a local chapter and I was like, oh, wow, they're taking my volunteers and they're starting a local chapter with my, that's brilliant, actually. And the thing that didn't bother me about it was the people who showed up for that meeting hadn't shown up for other stuff because ranked choice voting spoke to them. The other stuff we were doing, like they were on our list, but they weren't like doing stuff. But this person was able to like activate them, this founder. And so, yeah, they started a local chapter and that was kind of uh, my entry into it. And then um, just kept in touch with some of the people in the movement. The movement was really taking off in the state, which you could clearly see from afar. And so I was just kind of watching it from afar for a couple of years. And then after a couple of years, um, became re-engaged in the movement and um, was hired uh, in February of 2019 to, to do statewide field work. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after a word from some of our sponsors. If you're interested in learning how to win friends and save the Republic, then you should know about Reformers Unite, a new virtual networking event hosted by Nanner, the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers. Each month, Nanner sets aside a couple of hours solely dedicated to helping our members share updates about their organizations and to build deeper connections between Nanner members throughout the country. Reformers Unite happens on Fridays and is only available to Nanner members. So get on over to nonpartisanreformers.org and become a member today. Are you tired of the politics of division and deadlock? Do you want to do something about it but you don't know where to start? CitizenConnect.us is your way to learn about and engage with over 400 organizations who are dedicated to helping Americans right, left, and center work together to heal our democracy. 
find the organization or event that speaks to you, and help us get back to making our great nation work. Because it only works when we work together. Learn more at citizenconnect.us. All right, and now back to the show. Obviously, there's been a enormous shift, right? Or uh, not a shift, but evolution um, since early 2019 to where we are now at the end of 2021. That's almost three years later. Uh, we've seen uh, ranked choice voting in action in in Maine, right? In New York City. Um, we've seen it adopted in dozens of other cities across the country. Um, earlier uh, this week, I visited with folks in San Diego that are working on a project. I've talked to people in Missouri that are working on projects. Um, I, I, I joined the uh, Better Ballot Iowa meeting the other night to watch um, their meeting and how they're doing things there, um, where they are, they are now where you were in 2017, right? Trying to build uh, that network. And it was so exciting to see folks that you can you can just tell like good salt of the earth people that are really passionate about a cause and are doing what they can to win over each heart and mind one by one in a very personal and approachable way. Uh, and I think that's the kind of organizing that many of our uh, many of our listeners and many of our members uh, appreciate, and because that's what brought us into this this arena in some cases this line of work right and you both kind of said the same thing right that you were you were folks on the outside and then got uh the irresistible uh draw to get to get more involved uh nathan tell us a little bit about the transition from voter choice massachusetts into what we now know as rank the vote us basically as we were working at, you know i was on the board at voter choice massachusetts and as we were doing things there to you know reaching out to different folks meeting people both in massachusetts and across the country and especially as we put out we're putting out feelers around fundraising and attending uh of you know different national events including uh national association nonpartisan reformers conference and uh the unrig summit now called the american democracy summit uh we were meeting folks and uh, you know, people would tell us, you know, this is this, what you're doing in Massachusetts is really exciting. Um, you know, I'd like to see this happening across the U.S., you know. So we thought to ourselves, you know, well, what would that? Yeah, that would be great. That's really what we all want. Um, what would we need to do to make that happen? And it kind of uh, it seemed natural that the role we could play, along with others doing other really important things to win ranked choice voting, what we could offer was really helping. Um, advocates in other states who were excited about ranked choice voting, share our model that was successful in, you know, rapidly uh, growing support in Massachusetts, grassroots support, uh, help support them with that model so they could do the same thing in their states. And, um, you know, we felt that, you know, just the transformation in the political culture in Massachusetts in terms of ranked choice voting and going from something that people hadn't heard of to something everybody had heard of and most people really liked, um, that being able to do that across the U.S. would be really powerful, and so that's what kind of led us to launch uh, Rank the Vote, and um, that's what kind of keeps us going now. And you know, I hear from a lot of folks who are in the reform space or or somewhat adjacent that they are familiar with the Rank the Vote model, and they would like to see it applied to other types of reforms, right? So maybe can you tell us a little bit about what that model looks like, so that those who are listening and don't know. 
um, can have a little bit more uh, familiarity with with how you guys approach that structure. I love that you said, thank you, Nathan. I love that you said that, Andy, because truly what we're doing at Rank the Vote could be applied to any issue. So I love that people are already seeing that. And a lot of people that we work with in the States have never been involved in politics or activism before. They don't have a campaign background, but the couple that do, they always call me up and they're like, Monica, we can use this for anything. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, essentially it's movement building and grassroots organizing. And yes, it is fine tuned for ranked choice voting, but it could be applied to anything. So um, essentially what we start out doing is looking for activists in states that are passionate about the cause. And then we train them up as activists and organizers and educate them uh, in terms of how to advocate in their state for ranked choice voting. So we don't usually think of the states as um, like chapters or anything like that or affiliates. Essentially, we're just advising and coaching them on how to build these movements in their states. So we're partners. Um, and we're very lucky to be working so closely with them. We talk to all of the all of the state groups every week. Full disclosure: I'm on the board of Rank the Vote Oklahoma here, and uh, and it's been exciting to see them. Many of whom um, that are the other board members and folks that are volunteers, I didn't know before joining it. Uh, and I've been kind of involved in the reform movement here in Oklahoma for a number of years, and so it was surprising, but in like a very exciting way to meet people who are passionate about this cause that I wasn't already connected with, right? Because I think often we we end up with the same pool of people who care about all the things and they try to do everything and you just can't, right? And so to have fresh legs, right? Fresh energy about this issue um, and seeing their diverse backgrounds and how they could come to the table and use their unique skill set to help further the efforts of the organization in those like early stages. Um, I, I was really exciting to me. I also like that there's uh, like a theory of the case from the beginning that, that while you can begin with the end in mind, you shouldn't focus on that solely, right? That the, the process will take time, right? You have to, you have to build the movement. You have to do a, a lot of education because while rank, Ranked choice voting may make a lot of sense to people who are familiar with it. If you're new, if you if you're previously unexposed, it can be a little intimidating or complicated or you know off-putting because I think as humans we're somewhat predisposed to not liking change, right, and being change avoidant. And so just the idea of like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna switch things up a little bit. It'll be better, but you have to bring people along, and that and that takes those relationships. So Monica, for you as the as the lead national organizer, how do you work with your staff and with with states across the country to help them do that organizing, to do that relationship building? Yeah, that's a great question. So I started about a year ago, and since then we have grown to a small staff. So thankfully, we have a couple of people helping me out um, in working with the states. Uh, essentially, we have about 400 state leaders across the country and 30,000 supporters, 2,000 donors. So that's a lot of energy that's built up. And how, how do we manage that, right? So uh, we're really in a, a, a consulting and an advisory um, role where we do talk to every one of the state organizations every week. Um, but we have organizers that handle five to 10 states 
And they basically kind of try to like own advising those states, having close relationships with the top executive in the state, or if there's a team of top executives and then working with the team leads, we have a, um, a structure that we encourage the states to follow for it's like 12 different teams. Each of those teams have team leads and deputy leads and members um, below them. And it's, it's a very collaborative model. And we have a lot of support structures in place. Um, we talk to them on their team leads calls. We have like Facebook groups, we have office hours, we have a playbook, we have an organizing kit. So we have a lot of different support mechanisms for them. And um, we work very closely closely with them. We try to be as accessible as possible. At the national level, I work, you know, every day with my team, but I also work with some of the top executives and even some of the team leads today. Today, I was on with the team lead in New York for volunteer onboarding and the top executive in Montana um, and Ohio. So we do try to have that close connection with the states really every day. Um, but the playbook is really good for high level strategy as well as our organizing kit, which is pretty massive and very document heavy. So we try to uh, memorialize all of this information in the organizing kit and then referring them to it. That's such a, a, a tremendous asset, not just for the rank, the vote or rank choice voting community, but for the reform movement overall, right? I, I think a lot of people have been a part of a campaign where the campaign ends, successful or not. And there's some sort of, you know, post-mortem meeting about a month later. And then that's it, right? There's like no transfer of knowledge of best practices. There's no um, uh, archiving of documents or budgets or those kind of tools. And so for a lot of states, that means people, you know, teams are having to reinvent the wheel for every campaign. Um, when we, and so it, that's okay if it's the same person leading the campaign, but so often it's not, right? And so um, it, it makes it, I think uh, you've made a tremendous donation um, to the reform movement as a whole, right? A, a contribution, maybe not a donation, but a contribution to the reform movement as a whole um, by demonstrating how we can be very intentional about structure, about hierarchy, uh, about discipline of message, um, so that so that we can work towards methodically and over time, and um, towards getting to victory, right? To winning these reforms, um, and I also like that it is applicable on every level, right? Whether you're working in your small town of twenty five thousand people, you're working in a city of uh, you know a million or two million people, or on a statewide basis. Um, the same tools are are equally applicable at every level. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, and one interesting thing, that's a really good point about that. And it's kind of, um, I won't say it's, it, it's, it's it, it is pretty, we make it, it makes it a lot easier to have those resources and to have great uh, coaches like Monica and her team. Um, and one thing that that's kind of baked into the model that the, from the get-go in Massachusetts and and is much or more so with rank the vote is it's a it's a pre-campaign model. So the people who get involved don't have to be experts yet in lobbying or in um, how to you know launch a ballot measure or you know how to pass something through their legislature. Those are skills they can gain over time, but you know they can hit, have feet hit the ground and get running right away. 
just building support amongst regular folks like themselves, which will give them the strength that they will need, whether they to ultimately, you know, work with professionals to lobby their legislature, win something in the legislature, or to work with campaign professionals to launch a ballot measure, or maybe to get some, you know, professional consulting to help them win something in a city or town. So it's it's a great uh, on ramp into um, political advocacy. Well, and it's also not just about the the politically connected, right? Like, and nothing against folks. Like, I have a lot of colleagues who have grown up in this and worked in politics their whole career. But I think for a lot of folks, it is refreshing to interact with folks who have had a different job, you know, who have done other stuff, worked in software, worked in libraries, you know, worked in manufacturing, whatever, to say, you know what, this wasn't, this isn't my bailiwick growing up, but I believe in it. it's the right thing to do. You should come join us. Um, that makes for like a, such a warm and happy motley crew of advocates, right, to help win these reforms, which better reflects the electorate. And I think is, you know, for a lot of our members is a useful reminder um, and that that this isn't just about, you know, the wealthy and well-connected or whatever <laughs> turn of phrase you'd like to use. This really is about voters, right? This is a, a voters first uh, approach. Uh, well, uh, Nathan, what's next? Like, what's the big thing or the important kind of uh, hallmarks that that Rank the Vote is working on right now that listeners might be interested in, in becoming involved with? Yes. So if you go to our website, rankthevote.us slash states, you can click on the state that you're in if you'd like to get involved in your state or if there's another state that you're really excited about, even if you don't live there, you can certainly get excited um, and you can get um, hooked up with that state. You, you can click on their Facebook and message them or their website and email them. You can also um, donate to their organization. You can donate to our organization um, to help fuel the move movement nationally. Um, we work and advise these states. And so, um, you know, all of this energy, whether it's financial or with your time, your incredibly priceless time, it will help fuel the, mo the movement as these states become more professionalized in their organizing, um, which does take money. And, um, you know, whether they're working on statewide initiatives, you know, ballot initiatives or working through the legislature or municipal efforts, um, all of that volunteer time and donations will definitely help. Absolutely. And just the one thing I would add is the nice thing about this movement is there's kind of something for everybody to do. Like you, everybody has kind of different things that they are good at or like doing. And, uh, you know, there's uh, live canvassing. If you like getting out and talking to people and talking to them about ranked choice voting, if you want to be, you know, learn a lot about ranked choice voting and practice your public speaking, uh, all these States need, need speakers to advocate for their cause very eloquently to different groups. Um, the donations are a huge help. One of the things we're doing right now is, you know, these states have done a great job getting their organizations in good order, and they're looking to do further investment in their cause by, you know, beginning to bring on staff that can um, help, help, you know, them grow even faster by being a, you know, really strong, steady backbone to their organization. Um, you know, phone banking, text banking, um, managing social media, doing fundraising as well. Uh, and if you don't have a lot of time, you know, either writing a check or one of the huge things that propelled Maine to victory 
and was critical in Massachusetts was the power of the simple house party. Or in the age of COVID, it can be the Zoom house party, where you just get uh, you know, a group of your friends together, half a dozen or a dozen or a couple dozen, bring them over to your house or on Zoom, just you know, bring out the seltzers and the beers and uh, the crackers or whatever, and just have a really chill conversation about ranked choice voting. And then uh, I'm sure the speaker will, they're doing their job, they'll, they'll make a really compelling pitch to have your friends either get involved or write a little check or something. And, you know, party by party, we uh, move towards victory. That's, that's great. I, uh, I'm a big fan of, of house parties, one, because they're fun. Uh, and two, it just feels like when I was a kid, also back in the eighties, I feel like house parties were oriented around um, multi-level marketing schemes or board games. Um, and it's nice that we are, we are reorganizing that in the present day around, you know, like really solid democracy reforms that are building, uh, building a better future for, for us and for our children and our grandchildren. Well, uh, Nathan and Monica, thank you so much for being here today. Well, it's great. Uh, great to be here, Andy. Thanks so much for having us. Yes. Thank you, Andy. My guests today are Nathan Lockwood and Monica Burke from Rank the Vote U.S., you can learn more about their organization and get involved at rankthevote.us. Thanks for listening to How to Win Friends and Save the Republic. This podcast is a program of the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers. For more information about our organization and how you can join, please visit our website at nonpartisanreformers.org.